Morning, everybody. All right. Alive and well this morning. That's good. Welcome to Boulder Church. Uh, this is a pretty uh, special place. Um, welcome those that are watching online. Um, so I watch online on a regular basis, and I'm the only one on the chat, like talking to people. It's a very lonely place. So if you're watching online today, just don't be afraid to engage in the conversation and welcome people from other places and, you know, maybe Japheth's watching, probably not, probably still sleeping, you know that guy. <laughs> yeah, excited that Jennifer is coming, Pastor Jennifer, I'm excited for you, that's fantastic news. Um, and uh, anyways, but I, I'm happy to be here, uh, something that, um, you know, Jay last week talked about how he didn't have any stories or anything like that and he didn't have any funny jokes or whatever. Not today. Amen. Somebody was like, amen. No. Um, but the first thing that I want to do is something that I always like to do, and I like to start with my phone number up there. Um, and I have my phone right here. Um, feel free to text me at any time if you have any thoughts, questions, ideas. And uh, if I think about it, if I remember at some point, I can refer to some of the things that, that you text. Um, I feel that... You know, the days of speaking for a half hour on a one-sided conversation, you know, kind of figure out a way to just get more engagement so that this becomes more of a conversation rather than a sermon. I'll just give you a sermon. How's that? Um, I want to start this morning um, by telling you a story about penguins. I have a picture of penguins, I think. It's not the Beatles, it's penguins. So there was a truck driver, and this truck driver was driving 500 penguins to the zoo in his truck. And about an hour out of town, his truck breaks down, and he's worried about the penguins. You would be too, right? And so he manages to get out of the truck, tries to figure out, he can't fix it. He waves another truck down, and this, this truck guy, you know, stops by, like, right in front of him. And he says, hey, man, like, I need a solid from you. I need a huge favor. The guy's like, what's that? He's like, I'm going to give you 500 bucks if you can take these penguins to the zoo. The guy's like, all right. So he puts all the penguins in the truck, and away he goes. Next day, the truck driver manages to fix his truck, goes into town, and when he gets into town, he sees penguins crossing the street. He sees the, the, the semi-truck driver with the penguins, and they're all line, lined up, just crossing the street. He gets out of the truck a little upset. He's like, didn't I pay you $500 to take the penguins to the zoo? I said, yeah. I took him to the zoo yesterday, and we had enough money to go to the movies today. <laughs> That's the joke for the day. It's interesting that um, just because, listen to this, just because we say the correct words does not mean that people understand us correctly. 
And for a long time, I have been saying that I feel strongly that perhaps sometimes, most of the time, Christianity needs new language. So just because we say something correctly does not mean that people understand us correctly. The guy didn't fully understand what he meant to take the penguins to the zoo. He's like, hey, man, I'm doing a great job. $500 to the zoo and now the movies. Hey, what a great day for the penguins. I'm going way beyond what I was asked to do. And in reality, he was failing at what he was asked to do. So sometimes at church we say things, and when we say these things, we think that everybody understands, and we kind of get in this groove of, of this thing, and, and, and like we say such things as, God is good. How did you know to say that? All the time. Well, where did you learn that? How did that happen? So, so God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, yeah, unless your life is miserable. Unless you're in a horrible relationship, unless you've been betrayed by friends, by an employer, by family members, and perhaps even God, so you feel. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good unless you grew up with an image of a God who is not so good, who perhaps can be a little vengeful. Just some guy waiting for you to screw up so he can punish you and make you suffer. God is good all the time, all the time God is good, unless the Christianity that you've been exposed to evolves around an idea that all will be well with those who love Christ, and you look around and you say, but wait a minute, not all is well in my life. What is wrong with me? And we do, and we do, and we say like really weird things that if we kind of like take a step back and think about it, sometimes it makes very little sense. So I was, um, I was with some other chaplains the other day at the hospital, and uh, we we're having a little re reflection time. And uh, one of the other chaplains talked about how his wife, okay, who is uh, pregnant with twins, after years and years of of, of trying to 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 have children, um, was walking the other day and tripped and fell and scraped her head all the way from here down to her knees. And fortunately, she kind of turned to the side. And I mean, she was just in a lot of pain or concerned about the babies and all that stuff. And somebody that was in the room said, well, Chris, God is testing your faith. I said, really? Oh, come on, let's think about this for a minute. Okay, I am not saying that perhaps your faith can grow from something like this, but do you think that God, wherever he's at, is going to say, you know, that, that woman who's pregnant with twins who's been trying for so many years, i got to test her husband's faith, so I'm going to have her trip so she can scrape herself from head to toes, be concerned about the babies, so that Chris can grow stronger. What a great plan, right? In the meantime... The wife is upset, the wife is in pain, so that Chris could learn how to be more faithful. 
But sometimes we sit in a room and somebody says, God is testing your faith, and we say, amen. Really? Let's think for a second. Maybe perhaps the things we say sometimes don't kind of settle in. Um, if, if, if I, I guarantee you that this morning, and I wanted to do this, but I didn't, okay? I didn't. I thought about having a little table up here and making myself a BLT sandwich. How many of you know what a BLT is? Bacon, lettuce, tomato. Some of you might know them as an SLT. Stripple, <laughs> lettuce, and tomato. But now, now let, me, let me ask a question, and I need you to be completely honest with me, okay? Because we're at church, and God is watching, and he'll strike you, right? No, okay? We're at church, so you got to be honest. If I, if, I, if I made myself a bacon from pig, I'm not talking like beef bacon or turkey bacon, because the technicalities then kind of go, go so, well, you know, it's turkey, it's beef. If I made myself a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, and I ate it in front of you, what would be the story out of Boulder this morning? Would it be Jesus? What? Like, what would be the thing? Like, tomorrow would be like, can you believe it? Pastor Danny. Bacon at church. Because some people, it's okay to eat bacon outside of church, but in church. Like it's a double sin on a Sabbath. You know, I was like, no, 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 too many check marks at that point. If I made myself a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich and I ate it in front of you, like everything that I say today would be negated by that fact that I ate bacon in front of church, in front of people, and it came from the pig. Because we believe in Deuteronomy 14, the first half of the chapter. We kind of ignore the second half. Welcome to look at it this afternoon when you're taking a nap or before you take a nap. Okay? But here's the thing. Like, we've gotten to this thing where we, we always talk about, well, if you love Jesus, my mom would tell me all this stuff all the time. My mom was like, well, well Danny, like, I know that they're a good Christian person, but if they love Jesus they wouldn't smoke. If they loved Jesus, they wouldn't eat shrimps. Right? Because we've grown up, and listen, listen, I'm going to tell you that you, Boulder, are a special place, and maybe some of the stuff, like, you know, doesn't, like, resonate with you as much, but, but we've grown up with this idea that, that, that the things that you eat, the things that you touch, the things that, like, if you don't do these things, then you must not love Jesus, because I love Jesus, and I don't do those things. So eventually, I started to take advantage of the phrase, if you love Jesus, when I needed people to help me do things. If you really love Jesus, you'll, uh, you'll come run the sound for this funeral that we have this week. But, but, huh? Do you love Jesus? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. 
If you love Jesus, you'll, like, what, what kind of things have you heard in your life? Well, if you love Jesus, you will, well, obviously, well, there's that famous one in the Bible. If you love Jesus, you know, you'll keep his commandments, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I read across this great gif or gif, however you say it, I don't care, where this Moses has three tablets. I don't know if you've seen that one. Moses had three tablets and like, you know, five in each one of them. And he's like, like struggling getting these things up to Mount Sinai and looking at Israel. And all of a sudden, he's like, people of Israel, I have 50, 10 rules for you. <laughs> uh, but here's what happens. When we start talking about these things, then, then we, we can go down this road, and we've talked about this before. You've heard it many times, but I think it's worth mentioning it again. This idea of legalism, okay, and what it does, and how sometimes it makes us feel uncomfortable, and some of us actually makes us feel comfortable. Because there's something familiar. There's something determined there's a specific framework that I have to live in so that I can know that I am doing well and that I love Jesus. So, so here's what happens. I have a couple of things here about legalism. Uh, legalism, uh, number one, um, I think I put it on the slides I sent them. We tend to think that others are legalistic, but that we're not. The fact is that we're all legalistic by nature. We tend to judge others by our own standards of what is acceptable and what isn't. In essence, we think that our sins smell better than other people's, and we have very little tolerance for those people who sin differently than we do. Number two, legalism makes us narrow and divisive. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. The legalist insists that everyone that live up to the standard they have adopted. In other words, everyone needs to be like me. When we think this way, we miss the delight of diversity in the church. And number three, legalism makes it impossible for people to see Jesus, okay? There is nothing that pushes someone who's seeking a way faster than a list of rules and regulations and superficial spirituality short circuits the work of grace. And we could talk about a bunch of different ones, um, but we're not. So Paul never went to Colossians. He never went there. But one day, I can imagine, and I am making assumptions now and making stuff up. I do that all the time. My mind is very active, and that's where I go. So Paul's sitting in prison, playing with the rats. And Epaphras shows up from the city of Colossae. It's like, Paul! He's like, my friend, what are you doing? I came to visit you. I just needed to come see you. Uh, Paul, listen, our little church, um, we're having some issues, man. Paul's like, what's up, brother? He's like, coffee. Yeah, um, you know, the other day, Paul, we decided that we might put some coffee out front in the lobby. And, whew, man, you'd not believe the pushback that we got. 
Like people were complaining, we're going all over the place. Can you believe those people are serving coffee? Got an Adventist church? Get out of here. Paul, Paul, it's, it's, it's bad. Um, they wrote letters. They put up posters. Uh, and then we had potluck. And one of our guests brought some chicken wings. And, uh, well, Paul, you've been to potlucks before where they serve the flesh. <laughs> um, you and I know it's the first thing that always goes. Uh, Brother Billy was over there, like, putting the chicken wings and then mashed potatoes on top to hide it, packing it down, going to sit in the back corner of the fellowship hall. Oh, man, we had some people, Paul, we had some people that were just, like, losing their minds because, you know, somebody uh, brought chicken. We, uh, we were desecrating the house of God, according to them. And then um, we had somebody speak and didn't wear a suit or a tie. And we had, uh, we had some series of meetings that lasted 27 days. Um, and uh, there was, um, you know, talked about dragons and beasts, the Lord of Light, the Red Keep, and Dragon Glass. Um, no, I, I think I'm getting confused, Paul. <laughs> like, that might have been something else. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so Paul, Paul's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, what, what, what's happening? We're like, in all this stuff, Epaphras, tell me, in all this stuff, where is Jesus? Ah, Paul, I don't know. You're, you're the one that writes about Jesus all the time in heaven, I guess. I, you said stuff about Jesus and his resurrection and all that stuff. Paul's like, no, where, where, where have they left Jesus? Who? Where did you come from, Colossae? Exactly. Where is Jesus? In your church, in the lives of those that are part of that church. Where is Jesus? Where have they left him? So Paul gets a little piece of paper, like, I got to write some stuff down, and he'll sit there, and you know, he's like, therefore, he goes, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of, of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ, let no one disqualify you insisting on ascetism or the worship of angels or going into detail about visions and beasts puffed up without reason and not holding fast to the head from which the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Man, it's possible by now. You know, he's like, give me more paper. Give me more quill and ink. If, you know, now, now Paul is all caps, okay? 
He's has gone all caps mode. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? Why? Hashtag what in the world? As if you were still alive in this world, do you submit to regulations? And listen, I am telling you, I read this and somehow it still makes me a little uncomfortable. Because that's what I grew up with. And so saying these words sometimes to me are like, oh, I don't know. Okay. Because you're still alive in the world. Do you submit to regulations? And then he goes, like, like, don't handle this. Don't taste that. Don't touch that. That's all according to human precepts and traditions. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. Still all caps. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, like Paul is saying, like, listen, you can go through all this stuff. You can say, don't touch this, don't taste that, don't have that, don't go here, don't, don't talk to this person. Like all these things. And you can do all those things and it's still not going to stop you from the indulgence of the flesh. Because it goes much more deeper than that. It is the reason why Jesus, like sometimes like, oh, well, Jesus is about love. Yeah, but do you realize that when Jesus was with us, he raised a standard to a ridiculous level. Don't commit adultery. Jesus said, eh, 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 eh. don't even look. But Jesus, like, like what about divorce? Like, like, like wait a minute, let's go back to the beginning. When God put together man and woman, he said, whatever God, the Lord has put together, let nobody separate. So Jesus is taking all these things, constantly saying, you've heard it say, but now I tell you. And every time that Jesus says, but now I tell you, he like raises their standard to a place where people are like, ah, I can't do that. Exactly. And Paul's saying here, like, you can go living your life saying, don't touch this, don't touch that, don't do this, don't do that. But you're still not going to get away from the indulgence of the flesh. That stuff, that's temporary stuff. That stuff that, who should I say it, that really doesn't matter. Because you've heard Paul over and over again, it's like, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about the greatness of Jesus, the eminence of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the acceptance of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. The most effective way to run people away is for people to come to church, be surrounded by church people. And not see Jesus. If you really love Jesus, then you know, that is convincing. 
because nobody wants me like, uh, I don't love Jesus. I'm like, oh, what is wrong with you? See, I want to tell you, like, here's the thing that I'm learning more and more every day. Even people who don't love Jesus, love Jesus. Hey, I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I run across people all the time that are not Christians. They have nothing to do. And I was talking to a, to a patient the other day, and she was all concerned about her daughter because I'm afraid that my daughter does not know Jesus. And I said, so tell me about your daughter. And she's like, oh, she's fantastic. She says, you know, she volunteers her time, her time downtown. She helps the poor and the needy. She goes and, and, and does all this work for other countries. And, and, blah, 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 blah. and she just goes on telling me this fantastic person. And I say, like, wait. What, like, and she doesn't know Jesus? No, she doesn't know Jesus. I'm like, I think she does. Like... So, so I tell her, I'm like, do, do you know that there's certain things about Jesus that like, like are, are pretty special and were non-negotiable, such as inclusivity, compassion, generosity, and forgiveness? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's my daughter. I was like, okay, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'll see you think of that. She's like, huh? So even people that don't claim to love Jesus, like sometimes love Jesus more than people that claim to love Jesus, love Jesus. Yeah? It's possible. I've done seen it. I've done seen it? What is that? Because, <laughs> see, what, what a lot of people want to do, we want to, we want to supplement Jesus. You know what a supplement is? I got a definition of supplement, just so that you can see it. Something that completes or enhances something else when added to it. So in essence, what we say, Jesus is not enough, I must, wah, wah, wah. In other words, if I love Jesus, then I must, wah, 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 because Jesus alone is not enough. So I must supplement, I must add, I must find a way in my life to enhance Jesus. How Ridiculous is that. And well, what can I do to make Jesus better? Mm, let me see. I will put a tie when I go to church. Ah, surely Jesus will sit up in heaven or wherever he's at, and he'll be like, oh, good boy, Danny. You enhanced me. Now, if you talk about Jesus and say, they see you wearing a tie, they know that you love Jesus. And I'm exaggerating, of course. But we find ways, and you think about it in your life, we find ways to, like, like, enhance Jesus because we feel that's the thing that we need to do. And when we live in that groove, it makes us feel so much better about the fact that, well, I love Jesus because I wah, 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 wah. Which tends to be a little bit backwards. So, uh, next slide here. Uh, d d deep inside, most of us want to supplement Jesus as if he is not enough. But here's, here's the thing, okay? If you forget everything else today, 
Don't forget this. That what Christ is and has done for us is enough for salvation. What Christ is and has done is absolutely enough. I had somebody a while back write me and say, uh, he said, of the friends of mine who abandoned the, the Christian faith, very few of them stopped believing in Jesus because of intellectual problems with the Bible or because they were seduced by some other worldview or belief system. Rather, they abandoned the Christian faith because of its irrelevance, judgmentalism, internal dissension, and a lack of compassion they experienced with the Christian community. Rather than finding the church to be the community that most deeply encouraged them in their struggles, they lost heart in their discouragement and lost faith in the process. Rather than experiencing the church as the site of the most profound hospitality, love, and acceptance, they felt excluded because of their doubt and struggles. There's an old, old, old TV show called What was it called? That's what happens when you think of it right now. No. Dang it. Um, Bean Erica. That was the name of it. It's old, okay? I'm old, people. I know I look 28, but I am not. I guarantee you. I'm 38. Um, <laughs> Bean Erica was this, this TV show about... This, this, this woman who went to see a counselor, and the counselor helped her process stuff from her past and kind of helped her see how the world could be different if she would have made different choices, in a nutshell. That's what it is. And there's this one little dialogue that I've been wanting to memorize for the longest time because so clearly illustrates the problem at times with humanity, Christianity, and any other entity that you want to think of, Okay. The counselor says to her, says, Erica, the problem is that you see this person here and you see yourself here. As long as you see this person here and you see yourself here, you'll never be able to see them here. And do you realize, Erica, that every war, every argument, every issue, everything that we've had gone wrong with the world started because somebody thought I was here and somebody else was here. She says, you are every person that you will come in contact with. Every person you will ever meet. And until we learn to see one another here and here, we'll never experience humanity the way it was intended to be experienced. I was like, what? Because I've heard it many times. Somebody told my wife at one point, like, we as evidence are here. They are here. Like, how big is the scale, first of all? Because if it's like from here to the moon, then that's not that big of a difference. But then Paul goes. Paul says, chapter 3, music people, that was your cue. You remember it? And you weren't there, Elias, so don't give me the thumbs up. You have no idea what the key was. You weren't back there. See, I'm here, you're here. <laughs> Paul finishes 
And now he moves away from all caps to something more subtle, okay? Because he realizes, man, those were strong words that, that I just said. And Colossians chapter 3 says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Jesus, act like it. Oh, we should just capture those three words. Act like it. If you love Jesus, live like Jesus. It's not rocket science. If you love Jesus, act like him. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along with your eyes to the ground. Oh, I love Jesus. But, he says... Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. Because that's where the action is. Look up. So, I'm going to finish because they're up here. That's my cue. It's time. Look around. Not the people here. But look around your neighborhoods. Look around school. Look around your community. Look around where you work. Because according to Paul, Christ is there, and that's where the action is. Now, like, the action isn't necessarily here. Even though it's cool, it's awesome, I love it. You people are fantastic. Every time I come and every time I'm part of this faith community and experience worship together, it is absolutely magnificent. And I so appreciate that. But the real action is not here, but out there. And what I'm afraid of is that, that maybe perhaps somehow we kind of have forgotten that that's where the action is. And because we have been in here for so long doing this thing, which again, is fantastic, kind of like we don't know how to live in a world and behave and be and, 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 and extend and let people know Jesus outside this context. So we say, well, we just come to church so you can hear about Jesus. Well, how about on a hike? How about at a park? about over a cup of coffee. Dang, I just thought of something else. Keep playing, okay? I'm sorry. It's my bad. When do I have to finish? Okay, so. Yeah, sorry. My bad. One of my favorite movies of all times is uh, Shawshank Redemption. Some of you probably have seen it. Maybe you haven't. Probably the thing that sticks with me out of all the things in that movie is this older gentleman who had spent all his life in jail. By now he was 80 years old. And after, I don't know, 40 years, um, he, he gets to leave on parole. And for the first time all his life, basically, he's been there since he was like 18 years old. Like he experiences what it means to be completely free. He goes and gets a job at the supermarket, bagging things, 
goes to the park, feeds the pigeons. And he was miserable because he didn't know how to live freely. Because in jail, they told him what to do, what to eat, what to touch, what not to touch, when to be here, when to be there. And in that sense, life was easy. He finds himself in the free world, like able to make decisions and choices. And eventually he ends up hanging himself because he could not deal with this newfound freedom. Like that messed me up. Because the reality is that if Jesus, who he is, who he was, what he will be, is not bringing more freedom to you, then perhaps you need to rethink Jesus. If, if Jesus causes you to stress out, you should rethink Jesus. If Jesus keeps you from talking to other people who you might think are down here, you definitely need to rethink Jesus. If Jesus, like, makes you an angry person, an angry parent, a critical individual, a judging person, you need to rethink Jesus. Because although Jesus raised the standard to a ridiculous level, he never condemned people who felt, who fell short of that. So if it's in there, I've come to set you free, blah, blah, blah. Something like that, that's cute. But the reality is that if Jesus isn't providing freedom for you in your life, you need to rethink Jesus. Because if you love Jesus, you live freely. And there's something that's contagious about that thing. There's something that's beautiful about that thing. There's something that changes people about that thing. And so Paul finishes his rant. Well, he continues because it's not over the series, okay? But for my section, I can see Paul finishing. He's sweating. He's like, hey, help for us here. I'm done. Like for now. Like what Christ is and did is enough. Period. Let's pray. God, um, especially within our faith tradition, reading portions of this Colossians chapter 2 can be a little bit uncomfortable. Because part of our culture has been, don't taste, don't, don't taste this, don't touch that, don't go here, don't go there, don't say, you know, don't, 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 don't. 
And I'm not saying that those things, you know, like they're not good and they're not helpful. But the problem is when those things like put a blanket over Jesus, then it's just a pile of trash on top of gold. So God, I pray that, that, that we like somehow find and experience this, this freedom that we can make a difference in the world. And that freedom comes from Jesus, from knowing that who he was, what he is, and what he will be doing for us, in us, through us. That is enough. Amen.